Hello, it is Thursday, November the 19th, um, and it, it's finally college basketball season. We finally made it to college basketball season. We've been waiting forever. We didn't know if we'd get here, uh, but we finally got here. We're less than a week away from the start of the season, um, and for Tennessee fans, that's great news because the football season's in the toilet, uh, but Rick Barnes and company are here to save the day. Um, and this year's this year's squad, the 2021 basketballs are loaded, um, and they have a great chance to keep dancing through the month of March, in my opinion. Um, like I said a second ago, this season is, as a whole was in serious doubt, and even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, it looked like it was a long shot to start on time. Um, just about every team in the country had to do some major schedule shuffling. But luckily, Tennessee was able to, to salvage a fairly decent non-conference schedule, um, including an opening week uh, and actually a Black Friday home game against VCU. Um, if you remember, they played a, a real early season last uh, early season game last year. I think it was yeah, it was during Thanksgiving week. Um, it was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That's the one Lamonte Turner hit that game winner to beat VCU down in uh, I think it was Niceville, Florida. It wasn't Destin, but it was right outside of Destin, Florida. Um, but so we we do Tennessee does even with the weird schedule sh uh, shuffling does get a, a, a fairly big game uh, opening week. Um, and it'll no doubt be a weird season. Uh, the Thompson Bowling won't be nearly as hostile as it normally is, but really neither <clears throat> neither will anywhere else in the country. Um, the places that are lucky enough to have fans at all are going to have very few because of the COVID-19 restrictions. Um, and, and Tennessee is allowing around 4,000 fans uh, per game inside the Tommy Bowl. Um, and then our – which is probably going to be one of the, the – larger numbers in the whole country uh, just for reference our neighbors to the north they're going to allow about the same amount of people inside of Rupp Arena um, and, and speaking of Kentucky many of the prominent media members are picking the Wildcats to finish second in the SEC this season and who would they be finishing behind that's right your Tennessee Volunteers um, the Cats are loaded with talent but the Balls have just as much talent and maybe even more um, a few people that don't have Tennessee winning the conference outright have the Vols finishing second to UK. Uh, but but for people who are, are not as familiar with Tennessee basketball or just haven't been paying attention recently, uh, why are people so high on the Vols? Well, let's take a look. Uh, UT's bringing back a ton of guys from last season's team, but possibly the most important guy is John Fulkerson. Uh, Fulke dominated SEC play last season, and he proved that he's one of the most impactful bigs in college basketball. Uh, he isn't the most graceful or talented athlete on the planet, but he is always one of the most productive guys on the floor. Uh, he can get you a bucket when you need it. He can bring down a rebound when you need it, and he can even get you a stop or two on the defensive end. And just his presence on the floor is just a spark for the whole team. Uh, going into last season, I, I don't think I was alone in this, but I was not expecting just a ton out of Fulke. Um, he had a really start, uh, solid start to his freshman year. That was, what, four years ago now? Uh, but he, he got hurt early on, and, and that injury ended his season. And when he came back in his sophomore year, he was never uh, never quite as impressive as he as what we were hoping for after the solid freshman year. Um, and really, sometimes he was actually a liability on the floor. Uh, but to be fair... His main job was just to kind of stay out of the way that year because when you think back, he had teammates like Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, uh, Jordan Bone, Jordan Bowden, Kyle Alexander, and Lamonte Turner. So when you have a roster full of guys like that, 
you're not expecting your John Fulkerson, a young John Fulkerson coming off of an injury to, to go out and be a hero. You're just kind of expecting him to eat up some minutes, give some guys a break, and to just not screw up. And that's what he did for the most part. Um, but when all the big names from the Sweet 16 left, everyone except for Jordan ba- or except for Jordan Bowden and what, who we thought would be Lamonte Turner were going to be gone on last year's team. Um it plus Falkerson, and, and he really started to step up. Um, we we were most people would have bet on on Bowden to step up when the Monte went down, but it was Folky who really came who came out and put the team on his back. And by the end of the season, there was no doubt whose team it was. I mean, I have high hopes for the Tennessee big man this season, and and there are no signs of him not being able to live to that. And I know I'm not the only one with with high hopes for Folky this season. He's getting a lot of preseason accolades, and he's he's going to be a, a fan favorite uh, for for non Tennessee fans this year too. But then, so he's not the only one coming back. Another key returning guys is Yeast Ponds, the big man from France, flirted with the NBA draft, uh, but he ultimately made the smart decision to return to Rocky Top. We've known from day one he's an athletic freak, uh, but he really packaged it all together last year. Uh, his outside shooting improved enough for defenses to at least have to respect his deep ball, uh, but he also proved he can get to the rack and cram on anyone at any time. Um, his hops on the defensive end make him one of the best rim protectors in the game, um, and really his development under Rick Barnes has been remarkable. Look at Air France when he first got to Knoxville, and then look at him now. Uh, Rick Barnes is one of the best player development coaches in the country, and I don't think there's you need much more evidence to look at than than Yeast Ponds because when he first stepped stepped on the stepped on the Rocky Top, you could see he had the physical ability, but he didn't have the basketball IQ, um, and he just he just didn't have he just didn't have it. He needed he it was just raw talent was there, but but his basketball I guess skills to play basketball were not what they needed to be, and Rick Barnes has developed him into being where he, he flirted with the NBA draft this year, and somebody's going to take a chance on an NBA after this season. I mean, that, and that he, for sure, that's one of the ones when you're, you're looking back at, at all the things Rick Barnes has done in terms of player development, he's going to be one of the, the showcase guys for sure. Um, but So th- those them two are coming back, kind of the bigger guys coming back. Uh, going up to, the, to uh, more of the guard play, I'm super excited about Santiago Viscovi. Uh, Viscovi got thrown into the fire last season with no warning when Lamonte went down. And he wasn't even supposed to be on the team until this season. But desperate times called for desperate measures. Um, and Turner's injury left Tennessee without a true point guard last year going into conference play. Uh, so Santiago moved from, from Uruguay to Knoxville and was an SEC starting point guard within two weeks. And the dude who should have been at home was making plays against SEC teams. His raw talent was evident the first time he ever took the floor, and I can't wait to see how much he's improved in in a in a full off season under Rick Barnes. And even as an unexpected true freshman, he was seeing the floor like an elite point guard. He could thread the needle when he needed to, and he can even knock down threes at a at a really impressive clip. His only real negative last season was that he turned the ball over too much, but that's definitely to be expected when you have a true freshman point guard, especially one who didn't even expect to be playing until about three or four days before he actually played. And so really excited to see him. He, he's really undergone a body transformation too. He did spend a lot of the offseason in Uruguay as expected, probably more than he would have wanted to just because of the all the 
things going on with COVID, uh, but I, I still expect Viscovi to, to have a big step this offseason and, and be much better in year two than year one, even though he was so impressive in year one. Another guy that I'm expecting a lot of improvement out of is Josiah Jordan-James. Um, and his his arrival on Rocky Top came with, with honestly – they were high expectations, but probably unfairly high expectations. I mean, he was the first McDonald's All-American to choose Tennessee since Tobias Harris way back in the Bruce Pearl days. And even though, uh, even though um, Josiah Jordan James isn't your typical five-star recruit, uh, a lot of Tennessee fans they didn't know what to expect. They they didn't know the kind of player he was, and they just saw five-star McDonald's All-American, and they were expecting more out of him. Uh, but the the problem with that is James is a he's a facilitator before score. He's always going to try to get his teammates involved and not steal the show. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but fans, a lot of fans anyway, just saw the the All American, just saw the five star, and, and that kind of caught them off guard. Um, and really, with the roster that Rick Barnes has put together this year, that's exactly what you need is a guy. Um, is a guy like Josiah Jordan James with the same mentality as that is I'm going to get my other guys going before I get myself going. Um, and I also think, too, by the end of last year, people, at least the ones who really watched Tennessee basketball, figured out the kind of guy that Josiah Jordan James is. Um, and then so you combine that, you combine that with the fact that there's now other five stars on the roster and that's a huge weight that's been lifted off his shoulders. And I expect just just with the relief of the, all that pressure for him to take a big step forward. Not, and that's not even to mention the the player development and the full off season that he just had. So I'm I'm expecting big things out of Josiah Jordan James this year. And and same thing, I'm not expecting him to be a different type of player. He's going to be he is who he is, and that's perfectly fine, especially with the roster Tennessee has this year. And then there are a couple other uh, young, younger guys, returning guys that I was, I'm, I'm very excited about coming back for Tennessee. One of them's Olivier Kamwa, and the other one's Devonte Gaines. And now Kamwa, he's a freakishly athletic big from Finland. And while he didn't get a ton of meaningful minutes last year, he showed flashes of potential to be exceptionally good. And he really reminds me of Yeast Ponds. But honestly, I think Kamwa could end up being better than Air France when it's all said and done. Um, he has the same unbelievable athleticism as Pons, but he seems to have a higher basketball IQ than Pons did as a freshman. Um, he made some freshman mistakes last year, but that—that's all. That again, that's to be expected. He was a freshman, um, and his natural athleticism, and coupled with Barnes' exceptional ability to develop talent, and and that's a huge recipe for success. And I think uh, by the time it's all said and done. I think Kamwa, he's fallen in the footsteps of Pons, but I think he's going to end up being better than Pons. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just takes if, if the difference between last year and this year is night and day, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm, I've got real high hopes for Olivier Kamwa. I think he's going to get more playing time this year. And then another guy, I'm I'm more on more high on this guy than a lot of people are. Even a lot of people I know who really keep up with Tennessee basketball, and that's Devontae Gaines. Uh, Devontae, he's a he's a guard out of Buffalo, and then even as a freshman, he was one of the best defenders in the SEC, in my opinion. Absolutely love him, and he reminds me a ton of Tony Allen, uh, the old, the Grizzlies guard, the best defender to ever play the game. Um, he loves playing defense, and it's obvious to everyone that he uses every ounce of effort that he has to make it absolute hell on whoever he's guarding. 
Um, every single time he was on the floor, he either came up with the steal or he wreaked enough havoc to cause the play to break down. And just his presence on the floor was just, was like a jolt of energy to the whole team. But his lack of production on offense ultimately led to his lack of meaningful minutes as a freshman. And it wasn't that he was just a massive liability, but Tennessee struggled. They struggled enough to hit threes last year. And then when your point guard, who uh, your point guard out on the floor is, is like a, a zero threat for shooting threes, that's kind of tough to play him. But I, I, I would argue that as good as he played defensively and as big of a, a spark as he gave our team last year, I would argue that that's the one thing that, that I don't like how what Rick Barnes did last year was I would have played Devontae Gaines a lot more. Um, I just I just love that guy. He's just gritty. He's always going to give you everything he has. And, and guys who will get down and play defense and care more about defense than more about offense, I'm always going to have a soft spot for them just because I loved watching Tony Allen play so much. Um, but that's Devontae Gaines. Again, I'm higher on him than most people are, but but I love him. He's he's maybe my favorite player on the team. And then the last of the guys that are returning that I want to mention uh, is Uros Plavsic. Uh, last year, if you remember, we spent the first half of the season begging the NCAA to free Euros. Uh, but after watching him play, I kind of wish that the NCAA would unfree him. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding, but he was very disappointing last year. And, I mean, he's huge. You would think that his long frame alone would have led to more production. I mean, heck, Hashim Thabit was, was an awesome college player just because of his size. And everybody who keeps up with the Grizzlies knows what an unmitigated disaster he was in the NBA. And that's kind of what I, I thought Plovsic would be. Just because of his size, you would think that he would be able to at least get rebounds and just be a tree on defense. Uh, but, but he wasn't. Um, he missed bunny after bunny last year, and then on defense, he didn't rebound very well, and it felt like when he was trying to protect the rim, he ended up giving an and one every time. Um, so I, I was really disappointed with him, um, maybe unfairly disappointed, but who knows. Hopefully he's gotten better. I'm not going to really hold my breath because he didn't really show a ton. of. A, he didn't give us much of a reason to be hopeful. Uh, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully he's better this year. But now that we've gone through a lot of the returning guys, let's get to the real reason that there's so much excitement about this year's team, and that, of course, is the recruiting class. Um, Rick Barnes and his staff, they brought in a haul. Uh, they got they got good talent, and it wasn't all just freshmen. They got some. They got a bet, too, a couple of bets, really, uh, that, that are really going to help this team. But, of course, the centerpieces of the class are the two five-stars, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. Uh, but E.J. Anasicki, he's, he's not one. Don't sneeze at that one. He's a grad transfer, but he's going to be able to help the balls win their greatest weakness from last year, and that was rebounding. But let's start with the young guns. Uh, Jaden Springer is a 6'5 shooting guard. Um, he can really put the ball on the floor when he needs to. Um, he is, as a shooting guard, his, his biggest strength, obviously, is shooting. But he is a solid passer, um, and he's not going to be a liability on defense. Um, and then Keon Johnson, he's another 6'5 wing. But he's a better slasher and facilitator than he is just a spot-up shooter. Um, incoming freshman can no doubt shoot the ball, but that's just not his greatest strength. Um, he's, I, I think, and, and I'm not the only one here, I think he's got a good chance of being a first-round draft pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a one-and-done. Really, I wouldn't be surprised if Jaden Springer's a one-and-done either. Um, but 
either both both of those guys and, and their five stars. They're more of your typical five stars than Josiah Jordan James were. Um, so there's at least a chance, um, if not a good chance, that, that one, if not both of them, will be one and dones. Um, like a, uh, another guy that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, EJ Anasicki, um, he'll definitely be relied on to bring down rebounds because that was a huge weakness for Tennessee last year. Um, even though – um, he, he was a Sacred Heart transfer, and even though he's listed as a guard, he's more, in my opinion, he's more of a 3-4 combo guy than he is a guard. Um, and he, his last name probably sounds familiar to people who've kept up with, with Tennessee athletics for a while. Um, that's because his sister, Nikki Anasicki, was a two-time champion for the Lady Vols under Pat, uh, under Pat Summit. Um, but and she she was really good and EJ's good on, on his own. He he can play on the wing if he needs to, uh, but he can also slide down and be an undersized power forward if he needs to. Um, but by undersized, I'm not I don't mean his body, I mean his height. Um, because he's about as thick as they come and when he gets the ball around the basket, he's going to be able to manhandle some people when he needs to. Um, so I'm excited about EJ Anasicki. And then another guy who's been around the block a little bit is Victor Bailey Jr. Um, and, and really, technically, he was on the team last year, but transfer transfer rules forced him to sit out all last season. Um, he's a guard uh, that transferred over from Oregon. And while there's not just a massive sample size to look at, uh, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that he'll be able to knock down threes. Um, and he was—he's got some valuable experience too. He was on that Oregon Ducks team uh, that went to the Sweet 16, actually in the same building. I think it was in Louisville, where Tennessee was in the Sweet 16 and got beat by Purdue on that just garbage call, that foul they called on uh, Lamonte Turner. But that's beside the point. Um, but so so uh, Victor Bailey Jr. He did he did have he knows what it looks like to be on a team that that's had some success. Uh, by making it to the Sweet 16 with Oregon. And then finally, the last of the new guys, uh, Corey Walker Jr. He's a 6'6 forward out of Jacksonville, and he can play either the three or the four spot. Um, and he's not a guy to rely on to make just a ton of outside shots, but he is a guy who can use his body to get to the rim and score. Um, he's got a high motor and could get some rebounds when he's on the floor. Um, he'll most definitely play hard on defense, which is a necessity this these this day and age if if you're kind of a if you are ever expected to play the wing and you can't knock down threes, um, so th- those are a lot of the new guys. And then if you kind of go over who Tennessee lost from last year's team, really it's only Jordan Bowden because uh, Lamonte Turner he made it. I think it was the first game after Christmas when he had to shut it down, or it may have been the last game before Christmas. Either way, he didn't make it to conference play. Um, so Tennessee had already gotten used to life without the headhunter. And then Bowden, on that Sweet 16 year, was a really good three-point shooter. Uh, but he was definitely just not built to be the guy. Um, he, he was a local kid from, from Knox, the Knoxville area, and they ha- everybody had high expectation for him. Uh, but unfortunately, he was not able to live up to them. And I'm not just trying to crap on the dude, but I don't think losing him is going to hurt Tennessee at all. Um, he, he really struggled last year when – when the pressure was on him, so I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think losing him is a big deal at all. Um, but we're almost there. It's taken forever, um, but at least now we have a schedule. We just got the schedule, and, and it's still, I don't know if it's completely official yet. Um, 
because I know there have been rumors of maybe another conference game coming at some or another non-conference game coming at some point. Um, but we have at least 99% of the schedule right now. And they do the first game is this coming Wednesday night, less than a week away. It's the night before Thanksgiving, and they're going to host the Charlotte 49ers. And then they'll have Thursday off, and they'll play VCU on Friday night at, at Thompson Bowling Arena. Um, and I, I believe on that Thursday, VCU and Charlotte are going to play each other on Thanksgiving. But Tennessee will have Thanksgiving Day off. And then the following Wednesday night is a huge one. Uh, Tennessee is going to travel to Indianapolis to take on number one ranked Gonzaga in the Jimmy V Classic. Now that game, they've been trying to schedule that game for a while. Mark Few and Rick Barnes are good buddies, and they, they always like playing each other. And if you remember, year before last, they played in Phoenix. That was the year I think Gonzaga was number one. Pretty sure Gonzaga was number one that year, and it was right before the Memphis game. If I'm remembering that right, when Tennessee played at Memphis, uh, but that's the one Admiral hit that huge three, and Tennessee ended up upsetting Gonzaga when they were number one. Uh, this year, it's another neutral site game, but they're going to play in uh, Indianapolis. I think that's a Tuesday night, and I know the game is at six o'clock Central Time on ESPN. Um, so that's the biggest non-conference game for sure. There's also a late December non-conference home game against Cincinnati. Uh, that's a home-and-home home with them. Last year, Tennessee went up to Cincinnati and got beat by the Bearcats. This year, uh, the, the Bearcats are going to travel down to Knoxville and play right before Christmas against Tennessee in uh, the Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, but then conference play is going to open up on in the last week of December, and Tennessee is going to head north to the house that Conzo built, and they're going to take on the Missouri Tigers. Um, talk about uh, just a – a guy who never lives up to his reputation is just a disappointment to, to college basketball, and that'd be Conzo Martin. Just an absolute joke of a coach. Um, and, but yet yeah, Tennessee fans are, are in trouble for running him out of town uh, when he's done absolutely nothing with two teams now, has had a couple of just amazing recruiting classes and, and can't win a daggum game. Uh, but yeah, Tennessee fans are stupid for wanting him gone. Uh, ne never going to get over that. Uh, that what a the sports media is just just a clown show, and there's no greater example of how just narrative driven sports media has become, and just how stupid some of your sports writers are than than the whole Conzo and Tennessee thing. But good luck to him; he'll need it because he's a garbage coach. Uh, so that that's Tennessee's first first SEC game, and then their first home game will be uh, will be Alabama. And then they'll play Arkansas back to back. That's a, I think that's a Saturday and then a Tuesday night in the first week of January. Um, and then kind of splitting up some of the conference games, the SEC Big Twelve Challenge is the last. It's the last Saturday in January. Uh, Kansas is going to come to Knoxville this year. You know, last year Tennessee went to Lawrence. This year uh, Kansas is going to come to Knoxville. It's on Saturday, January the 30th, and that will most definitely be the marquee game of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And then the following week features the toughest three-game stretch of the season for the Vols, at least in my opinion. I think it's the toughest three-game stretch. Um, and it is at Kentucky versus Florida and then at LSU. And then Tennessee's final road, road game is in Auburn against Bruce Pearl on February the 27th. And then Senior Day will be the following week on March the 3rd at home against Georgia. 
and then it, that that's the last game of the season, March the 3rd, and the SEC is leaving a full week between the end of the regular season and the start of the conference tournament in order to have time for any makeup games that, that they'll need to play before, before the conference tournament gets started. Um, and those of us in West Tennessee kind of got the short end of the stick this year with the schedule. Um, just there's not no real easy trips for for people in the Jackson and or really the any of the West Tennessee area to make. Uh, the neutral site meeting with Memphis, that game was supposed to be played in Nashville early in the season. It was canceled, and then with the bad blood between Penny Hardaway and Rick Barnes, who knows if we'll ever get that rivalry game back again. But they got to do that for the people on this end of the state. That game's way too important for two dudes to have an argument and just never play it again. Um, so that one, we don't have that one anymore. Uh, they do play Mississippi State this year, uh, but it is not in Starkville, unfortunately. It's in Knoxville. Um, they do play in Oxford and in Nashville against Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, but both games are on weeknights. And while we don't have tip times for that, um, they are on weeknights, so that that kind of rules out a quick Saturday trip. Maybe... Uh, Maybe the game will be the 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 Ole Miss game will be at six. And you can just leave work at noon, still be home by nine or ten o'clock, or by probably ten thirty, eleven o'clock. It'd be nice, but not gonna hold my breath. But I guess if there was a year that we'd want to kind of get the short end of the stick with the schedule, it would be this one because with all the COVID restrictions, even if there was a Saturday game in Oxford, um, it'd probably be a tough ticket, especially with all the Tennessee fans in West Tennessee and how good this team's supposed to be. Um, and, and with how good they are, I, I do expect Tennessee to win the SEC this year. I think Kentucky's going to finish a close second. I think it's going to be a race all season. Um, but I do think Tennessee will pull it out. And you know Auburn's always going to be good with, with Bruce Pearl on the sidelines. LSU's going to be up there as long as they got Cheat and Will Wade on their sideline. Uh, they're going to be the best team money can buy down there. Uh, also think Alabama and Arkansas are going to be significantly better this year than they were last year. Uh, Nate Oates at Alabama and Eric Musselman at Arkansas are both great coaches and maybe even better recruiters. Uh, Nate Oates was at Buffalo, was awesome with the Bulls, and, and before Musselman was at Arkansas, he had Nevada clicking and, and had them uh, in the NCAA tournament and then had the, uh, the two Caroline brothers. Um, he got both of them to go to Nevada and, and really developed them quite nicely. Uh, so I think the SEC is going to be one of the deepest conferences in the whole country. Uh, but then, again, the Vols have one of the deepest teams in the whole country, and, and they just have the perfect mix of, of the proven vets and the highly recruited young guns. And then you mix that in with a coach like Rick Barnes who's been around the block a time or two, and I just don't see how this team isn't awesome unless they just get ravaged by injuries. Um, so I, I have high hopes for this Tennessee this Tennessee team. And this is the best chance, at least in my lifetime, for Tennessee to make a Final Four run. And I don't think it's irresponsible to hope for that. Um, if we've learned anything through the Rick Barnes era, though, and really even dating back to his time at Texas, is that his teams are always in serious danger of, of early exits and the big dance. But to me, this team just feels a little bit different. Um, it's, a, it's been a long offseason. Um, a lot of hype. I'm just glad they're playing this season, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Um, I, I just can't wait for Wednesday night, can't wait for Friday, and then the following Wednesday against Gonzaga. So college basketball is almost here, and I could not be more excited about that. Um, so that that's kind of the Tennessee preview. I kind of got on an unexpected rant about Conzo Martin right there. I just I get heated when I think about him because – 
can't stand the dude. Um, but so sorry about that one. Real quick though, before we end this, I know it's mainly a Tennessee basketball preview podcast, but I do have some college football picks for this weekend since Tennessee's a dumpster fire, but it is still college football season. Um, so I want to get into some of those picks. And my, my college football, uh, that my card has just been wrecked by COVID this week. I've already had at least three, if not four, games canceled. Um, so I'm kind of piecing other games together. First game that I had canceled was Tuesday night. Uh, I had Miami, Ohio, plus three and a half at Ohio, and I think that would have been an automatic cash. But, of course, COVID canceled that, so I replaced it. The Buffalo Bowling Green game. Um, and I got Buffalo minus 18 in the first half, and that was a push. So really, I had two games already for this week that have been played. One of them was canceled, one of them pushed. Um, I mean, I guess I'll take it. It's better than losing a game, but I, I really I wish that Miami and Ohio game would have been played. And then this weekend, and actually I think tonight it's Thursday, I had, I had Wyoming tonight, but their game tonight was canceled because of COVID, so that's a, a second game. And then this weekend, the games that I've had canceled – the third game I had canceled this weekend was Wake Forest minus six and a half at Duke. Um, so that one, that one is not going to be played. I think those are the only ones that I've had canceled. I'm kind of scrolling through here to make sure. Uh, unless anything's happened in the last since I've started recording this about 30 minutes ago, those are the only ones that I have that are canceled. And so the games that are actually going to be played, uh, I have of the first game of the day, I have at least one in each time slot. And I'll probably add more between now and Saturday night. But what I have right now is Coastal Carolina minus 3.5 versus Appalachian State. I got that on Sunday when it came out. I think it's more like Coastal minus 4.5. I would still take it. I got the 3.5. As long as it's 7 or under, I would take Coastal. I, I do think that they're going to win by at least a touchdown. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it's by double digits. I think Coastal Carolina is by far one of the best two or three uh, group of five schools in the country. I think that um, it's them and Liberty and BYU, and it's not even close. I, I would put all three of them ahead of Cincinnati. And I know uh, a lot of Memphis fans might not want to hear that since Cincinnati just boat raced Memphis a few weeks ago. But I think Coastal and, and Liberty and BYU are, are the – they're in a class of their own in the group of five teams. Um, so then the next one I have was Wake Forest. That one got canceled. And then kind of a weird time slot. I think this game's at 1 or one thirty Central Time. Florida International at Western Kentucky. I got under 43.5 when I got that on Tuesday. And I know 43.5 does not sound like many points. Um, and it does sound weird taking an under on a, on a total that's that low. Uh, but the total's that low for a reason. And it's because Florida International just sucks. And Western Kentucky's offense sucks because you know who, who's the uh, who's the brain behind their offense is that old moron Tennessee offensive coordinator Tyson Helton. Uh, so you get a bad team, and then you have uh, the moron Tyson Helton as uh, the brain of an offense, and that that's how you get a total so low. And even though the total is that low, I'm, I'm going under. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Western Kentucky's in another ten to seven game, and that's that's what I'm hoping for since I have the under. And then moving on to that that second window of, of games during the day, um, three o'clock Central Time game. I have Alabama versus Kentucky, and I'm just doing the first half right now. Uh, in the first half, I have Alabama minus sixteen and a half. 
Um, so that's all I have right now for that Alabama game. As we get closer to kickoff, I may look at first quarter or maybe even first half team totals on Alabama. That I know a lot of people like Alabama full games. The reason I don't is because there's just been too many times I've been burned on when there is a bigger spread like this weekend. I think it's Alabama minus 29.5 right now to where they've had it covered, but then Nick Saban calls off the dogs and the other team gets a garbage touchdown for the backdoor cover. So I don't want that to happen again. Um, so that's why, I, if you've noticed the pattern with me, I'm usually when I do Alabama, it's either first quarter or first half, and I'm going to stick with the winning pattern, take Alabama minus 16 and a half. Um, then kind of the, the early night slot, the main, the primetime slot, I'm on Liberty plus three at NC State. So I got this Sunday like within five minutes of the line opening, and I got Liberty plus the field goal. And I don't think it's that high now. I think it's closer to a pick 'em game now. Uh, but I think Liberty's going to win the game outright. If you listen to any of my other stuff or you read my website, you know how bad I want, how much I love Hugh Freeze and how bad I want him on Rocky Top. Um, I think Liberty's going to stay undefeated. And I think Liberty, that Liberty and Coastal Carolina game to finish the season, like it's not going to get just huge attention because it's two non-Power 5 schools, two schools nobody really cares about. But that game's going to be awesome, and I cannot wait for that game. I'm just praying that that one doesn't get canceled by COVID because that's going to be one of the better college football games of the year, and not nearly enough people are going to pay attention to it. But having said that, Liberty plus three at NC State Saturday night, and I got that Sunday right when it opened. And then my final pick for right now, and again, I'll probably add more between now and, and when it's all said and done Saturday night is Boise State minus 12 and a half at Ohio. I mean, not at Ohio, at Hawaii. And I got that Sunday right when the lines came out. I think it's more like a touchdown now. I also kind of like the over. I'm, I'm, I'm flirting with, with taking the over in that game. Um, I think Boise State, we saw Hank Bachmeyer come back last week and they just, they put on a show. And that Boise State offense is not going to slow down. The Hawaii defense isn't great. Um, but with the game being in Hawaii, with, you know you're going to have good weather. And the Hawaii offense, can they, they can get clicking if they need to. Uh, they got the old uh, Arizona State head coach. Uh, what's his name? I think it was his Erickson, I think is his last name. Uh, but the guy who wears the sweatband and has the weird little, uh, not the not your typical headset for a coach, just the little thin thing that runs just the earpiece and the little tiny microphone. Um, but that that offense can get clicking, so I'm I'm real tempted to take the over in that. Haven't done it yet, but I, I may very well end up doing that. But I have taken Boise State minus twelve and a half. That's all I got for right now. I did see for those of you who are in the state of Tennessee that FanDuel is doing another one of those spread the love things. Last week they did it for Vanderbilt, and they got all the way up to plus 85 and a half. Um, this week they're doing it for Tennessee, so I'm going to keep an eye on that. And if it gets to something just insane like the Vanderbilt thing did last week, um, I'll probably I'll do a max bet on that, which for FanDuel they're only going to let you put $50 on it. Um, but the I'm, I'm definitely going to wait. I wouldn't recommend doing it yet just because – Tennessee sucks so bad, I could definitely see Auburn beating Tennessee by 50 points. Uh, so if it's something like plus 50, I even even with some, a number as high as, as something ridiculous as plus 50, I'd still be nervous about it just because I, I think Tennessee's that bad. But 
if it gets up to like plus 70 or plus 80 like it did with Vandy last week, that's a no-brainer for those of you who are in Tennessee. Um, so just keep watching that one. If it gets high enough, do that one. Uh, but that that's all I got for, for this week. Um, and it is basketball season finally. Only a couple more times we got to watch this crap football team run out on the field in Tennessee. Um, hopefully they, they can keep it respectable this weekend at Auburn. Not going to hold my breath, but hopefully so. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.